Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. So this week we dig into a lot of struggles that Sean has been going through this week. And he goes through a few examples of how he's using an exercise of writing down his fears and anxieties and trying to see them in a light of love instead of fear. And the few examples are parenting. We talk briefly about businesses and meeting with his investors and then his golf hobby and what happens when you play a bad game with some people. Hope you guys enjoy the episode and happy listening. Here we are. I'm James. And I'm Sean. And this is Struggles. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I'm still nasally, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sean's still sick. It's been two weeks now. Yeah. Wow. Two week cold. Luckily, it's not COVID. It's just a long, long cold, I guess. It's like a long cold that turned into sinusitis. I'm actually on antibiotics right now. Oh, shoot. I should. I forgot to take my antibiotics this morning. I'll do that for this recording. Yeah. So, but last week we talked about acting out of love instead of fear. And today we kind of want to go over a couple examples of a list of things that Sean is working on that are mainly driven by fear. And we're going to try to go through this exercise where what does it look like if that struggle is then driven through love? That's what we're going to do, right? Yeah, pretty much. Just really try to figure out what it means to act out of love, like you said last week, and what it means to act out of fear. Yeah. And we'll try to stick with examples that our listeners are going to relate to the most. I think parenting is a good one. We'll definitely talk about golf because apparently we can't get away from that. But we'll talk about it in a sense where golf is kind of a hobby. Yeah. And definitely about work as well. Yeah. So I have been doing some exercises from the Art of Living Thich Nhat Hanh's book. By the way, do you know that he died this year? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I thought this dude was still alive. I mean, he was 95, granted. Yeah. The guy lived for a long time, for a good life, through the Vietnamese War. It's crazy. Yeah. The exercise that he asks me to do in the book is, you know, have a list of things that you're, you feel gratitude for and a list of things or thoughts that bring you suffering or anxiety. And so I struggled actually with this list. It took me about two weeks to compile this list. The list of things I'm grateful for is very hackneyed in many ways. It's, um, you know, it's like I have my health, you know, I have my two legs and two arms, you know, <laughs> and I wrote my personal health is my wealth. Similarly, secondly, family and, and kids being healthy and their well-being. And then with like the list that brought me suffering, there were a bunch of things. It's like, it was super long. <laughs> and I actually, after I wrote this down, I realized why I've been getting so many anxiety attacks considering, you know, I'm not really doing much, in my opinion. And that's actually another another thought as well as to how much we should do. But first off on the list is regarding parenting. With Miles, sometimes when things are not going well with Miles, let's say, you know, he's going through a normal stint of not eating or this week he's sick again, or he's not participating in something at school. Actually the biggest thing is is eating. Like he he doesn't really eat with the other kids. 
he just has no interest in eating with other kids and it's been over a year now. And, you know, it's anxiety inducing because you feel like you're failing as parents in some ways, right? If your kid is not up to par with other kids, <laughs> right? Which is very strange. And then let's see, let me go down the list before I kind of dive into the fear and love thing. Another thing is, you know, my thoughts and worries about the future of the two startups I have, Clever and Alumni FM. With Clever, it's, you know, what our investors will think of me if it doesn't go well. What do I think myself? Worrying about the stability of Alumni FM, which is, I guess, it's kind of like, as long as you have something, you're always worried you're going to lose it sort of thing. (laughs) Worrying about upholding my duties as Alumni Chapter President, which I need to give up. Doubts about, you know, my lack of follow-through or follow-up and potentially missing out on business opportunities. And the list goes on and on and on. But going back to parenting and miles, I really had to sit back and ask myself like, all right, I know for a fact there's nothing quote unquote wrong with my child. Like he's just being a toddler. He's learning independence like we talked about. He's learning to figure out what he wants, what he doesn't want, right? Make his own decisions from what he wants to wear to what he wants to eat, right? These are very normal developmental steps. But the fear of failing as a parent drives us to act in more fear, right? And what does that mean? Like the fear of failing as a parent is, I realize just the fear of failing your child. But what does that even mean? I had to think about this. Like, how could you even consider a child a failure? Like it's a child, right? Like even as a human being, like we're not failures. Life still goes on. Failure is just an event. It's not a conclusion. That's good. Because, I mean, you and I, we failed at many things. Does that mean we're failures? Like, no. Miles has failed at many things already in his almost three years. He's, you know, failed at trying to walk a bajillion times before he learned how to walk. But is he a failure? No. But the fear that drives us comes from comparison, which is something we've been talking about a lot. It comes from comparing him to other kids. Well, compared to other kids, he's behind. The fear is if I perpetually or continually don't help him catch up and he always stays behind, then in a sense, I am failing. I like where we're going with this. It really is a definition of how we think about failure, right? If you think about failure as an event versus a a state, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not so bad. Mm -hmm. One thought is to think I failed my kids or we're failing our kids, which is just from an emotional standpoint, it sounds very real. But like, if I had to take a step back and think about like, what the fuck does that mean? He's three years old. How could I have failed him already? You know, like, like he has so many more years of development and growth to go. Like there's so much more opportunities for him to blossom. Yeah. You haven't given up on him. Yeah, exactly. We're just drawing like a premature conclusion about how he is today compared to other kids who actually some are older than him. And it's interesting because like, We'll see areas where like, oh, some days will be like, oh, wow, like he's taller than the other kids. You know, but then it's like, it's, you always focus on the days where it's like, he's behind on something. Are you even supposed to be behind if you're not eating with other children? Is there like a benchmark for that? Well, so this is what's interesting is that all these expectations for the kids that us adults create for kids really depends on the circumstances we build around that. What is the goal, right? And The challenging part with parenting that I realized this week is that you have two parents, at least, two adults, and they might have different goals and objectives. 
let's say like Mink in our personal example, Mink wants them to just like not fall behind in the actual physical developments, right? And brain development, right? So she wants them to be well-nourished all the time. So her goal is that he is well-nourished, period. Now that is currently conflicting with another goal, which is he learns to eat independently, or he learns to enjoy food without distractions, right? Like he actually is interested in food and sits down and eats with us or with other people, whomever, just like he is interested in the activity of eating together. And that's like a social skill that actually can bleed into some other areas of independence, like independence of wanting to dress himself, independence of learning how to potty. He doesn't know how to use a potty yet. He's almost three. He is in many ways, like not speech delayed, but expression delayed. He doesn't use sentences. He knows a lot of vocabulary and words, but he doesn't use sentences to tell us what he wants stuff. He just like throws out his Jedi hand move and four adults just hover around and give him what he wants, right? And so what I'm trying to get at is, let's just take this example of four adults. Is this a bad thing that we have so much time and attention for and love for him? It's not bad, but it's not great either. Everything's a double-edged sword. It's not great in the sense that like, you know, when he goes to school, there are no four adults. If anything, the ratio is like one to six, one adult to six kids, you know, you have like the complete opposite. And so how is this kid going to learn to function in that kind of environment when he doesn't get that attention? If he doesn't get hand fed, then is he just not going to eat, which is currently the case? You see what I'm saying? It's like almost like our love and attention and all this goodness at home becomes then a handicap at school because he's so reliant. Sounds like um, being overprotective, overbearing. Exactly. Protecting your kid is a a good thing. We talked about this, but overprotecting them, like, you know, putting helmets and and knee pads and, you know, elbow pads on them when they go out every day, like, you're going to look at that family weird, (laughs) right? But my, my point is that there's nothing wrong with any of this, though. This is what I realize. It's just that there's different objectives. And as a family or as parents, we're not clear on what is the objective that we want. And so, the objective I want is independence. The objective she wants is his nutrition at all costs. And so that's butting heads and conflicting. And both of us, if we were to evaluate it, we're acting out of fear. She's acting out of fear that he's going to underdevelop or fall behind in physical development, like I said. And I've helped talk to her about this. I was like, you know, there is a time when there are growth spurts, like between zero and two right? Kids are growing like exponentially fast and then in their teen, early teenage years, right? But from three to four, they're expected to grow about, I think, an inch and a half to two inches in height and about two and a half pounds in weight versus like from one to two, I think they grow like 10 <laughs> pounds, right? And you're just like, they're slowing down. That's why like three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five, they all look about the same in terms of height. And so is that really a big concern? Is that fear really valid? that he's going to fall behind. And so let's encapsulate that in one point. And now my fear, I'm acting out of fear in the sense that like, is he going to be judged? Is he going to be treated differently if he doesn't know how to be independent at school? Is he going to be like a handful for the teachers because he doesn't know how to go potty or like tell them what he wants or like eat by himself like the other kids? Are the teachers going to be like, oh, this is just a problem child? Have you asked them? There was a case where like the teacher did tell us like, they thought there's something different about Miles. And oh boy, like we went on a whole spiral of like fears around that. Like we went to like, you know, autism clinic to get him checked out and came out like zero, scored a zero for autism. 
Speech delay, yes, absolutely. But anything else like food aversion, all these things, actually even speech delay is normal because every kid actually develops differently in terms of speech. Not everybody develops at the same time. Some kids start speaking at like after three, some kids start speaking at like two. That's a huge difference based on studies. Girls start talking earlier than boys. Anyway, I had to really take a step back and be like, I'm acting out of fear. And what did that fear result in? That fear resulted in me and Mink like really butting heads, just really not understanding each other. And then like us in turn treating Miles very differently, treating him like there's something wrong with him. Like if he's not eating or he's not like talking, it's like getting upset at him as if like he's doing something wrong. Hmm. If he's not eating at school, like he's fucked up. I, I can't say the R word, but the R word, you know? <laughs> you know, like you start thinking like that. But if you listen to what I just said, none of it has anything to do with him. He is just being a normal ass kid. Maybe he's just not hungry. Exactly. So this is actually a huge point of contention this week, past two weeks, is that because Mink wants to make sure that he has proper nutrition, at the end of the day, she always gives him a supplementation of like eight ounces of milk, which is like packed with like calories with, you know, this like supplement powder that she puts in like MCT oil. It's basically like 400 calories, right? Four to 500 calories of a bottle of milk. And he knows as his body knows, like I can expect that. If I don't eat all day, like I, I can expect to get 500 calories or 400 calories at the end of the day, right? Every single day consistently. And then we wonder like, you know, he doesn't eat breakfast and we're, we get all like worked up. Maybe because he's full. Yeah, because he's not hungry. Like I eat a big dinner or even I, I ate a big lunch the other day and like I wasn't hungry like the next morning. I had a very small dinner, barely a breakfast and I, was, I wasn't hungry until like lunchtime. But sometimes like with our kids, we just have this like playbook, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know? I mean, yeah, you want them to eat. You want them to get into a routine. Yeah. But it's a vicious cycle if your goal becomes like, I just want to make sure he gets nutrition without thinking holistically about like, what does he actually need? He needs to learn fine motor skills to feed himself, right? Like grabbing things, like using a spoon and a fork and a knife, you know? Like there's so many things that like, when you get so hyper-focused on one goal, you can potentially neglect a lot of other developmental milestones. Aren't you just not giving the milk at the end of the day so that he's hungry in the morning? Oh, I mean, James, that's the most common sense thing to say. But that's crazy. Like for her, like that makes no sense. Hmm. Is it because the fear of putting your child to sleep when they're starving? Exactly. Or like I said, the fear that like he's going to fall behind in calories and he's going to like... Or not eat in the morning. Exactly. And then he's not going to eat. But everybody has different caloric needs every day too. We got to factor that in. If you're very active, if I go golfing, like, okay, forget golf. If I go work out, you know, like, if I do anything active, right? I'm going to be super hungry that night. I'm going to be like famished. You know, I, I could eat like a tomahawk, you know? <laughs> but like on a normal ass day, like I cannot eat a tomahawk steak. The steaks are so good. The crazy thing is like, if you don't catch yourself, you realize you're like doing all these things, you're making all these decisions just out of fear, unfounded fear. So what is the way to look at this through love? What are you doing out of fear? What's like the clear action? Is the feeding him a 400 calorie bottle of milk at night before bedtime, is that the fear-driven action? And then how do you change that? What's like the alternative to do this through love? The alternative is to not project your fears onto him and look at him. Be like, what does he need? What does he want? Is he hungry? No? Okay, well, just 
don't eat. And uh, when you're hungry, let me know. We're around. It's not like if he like gets hungry and there's nobody around to make food for him. <laughs> it's like there's four adults, you know, in the house. It's to like really pay attention to what he wants and needs, not what we want and need him to do based on our fear of him losing weight. I mean, I, I see the opposite side too, where maybe he just never eats. I was actually like that for a while. Not as a kid, as like a teenager. There were times where I didn't really eat. There's definitely some psychological, especially as a teenager, some things that a lot of teenagers go through, right? With weight challenges and, and mental health. Now, there's definitely some mental health issues around that for certain people with anorexia or bulimia or just whatever, self-body image issues, right? But we're talking about a two-year-old. A two-year-old, three-year-old, a toddler, they're just, they have their own rhythm of things. They have their own way. And it's just, we got to trust them. We got to trust that their body is smart. If they're hungry, they'll let us know. And our job as parents, as loving parents, and this is not to say, you know, parents don't do this, they're not loving, but the best we can do is learn all the foods that he enjoys and provide it all to him, right? And let him choose, let him eat, let him like come to us for food, which is natural. If you think about back in the like, hunter-gatherer days, like you didn't like eat all the time. You didn't have like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Actually, what's natural is actually only two meals historically. I didn't know that. And if you didn't catch many meat, you know, or any, any game, you would just eat some berries. Again, your diet would vary day to day based on your caloric needs. This whole like prescribed like, oh, you need 2000 calories a day. We already know it's actually not, not even that accurate. It doesn't take into consideration like different ethnicities, gender, what you eat. You know, what you eat. What you did that day. Exactly. How active you are. It doesn't, you know, like, dude, Michael Phelps ate 2,000 calories a day. And I was like, we fucked. <laughs> yep. That dude eats like 8,000, like 9,000 calories when he's training a day. But that's an example of acting out of love is that you're not living in your own fear. And that example, how you act out of love is that you put yourself in the shoes of your child and really pay attention to their needs and, and respect them respect that they're intelligent enough to let you know versus like living in fear that I know better than you when you are hungry or when you should eat. Now, if I like only offer him like rice and like limit his offerings and that's like, yeah, fear can grow because then he's not getting a balanced diet, but that's me reacting. Like I make like five different types of foods for him and then I'll just like eat whatever he doesn't eat, <laughs> you know? That's that example of the food. But if we come back to my example on my side, you know, what I was afraid of, of like him being judged and this and that. Again, if I live out that fear, how am I going to act? I'm going to treat him like he's the problem, like he has a problem. Oh, like you're not talking like the other kids. Why aren't you talking more? You aren't obeying my commands or like complying to this potty training schedule. You know, why aren't you doing that like the other kids? Those are acts out of fear where like, I'm afraid that he's not going to be like the other kids. And that's my focus. And so I keep comparing him to the other kids. And it's like, why aren't you like that yet? Why aren't you like that yet? You know, there's something wrong with you versus what's acting out of love. Acting out of love is again, respecting like, you know, him and, and being in his shoes, thinking about what he wants. All right. You don't want to try this right now. That's fine. Let's do something else right now that you want to do. And then let's try it again. Let me be more patient with you versus trying to get you on my schedule, let me try to get on your schedule. Rather than you being on my mood cycle, let me try to get on your mood cycle. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you're a freaking kid, you know, I'm an adult, like I can control my, I should be able to control my emotions. 
Man, so must be so hard though. Yeah, parenting's fucking hard, man. Kids are fucking wonderful. Kids are like, I, I think I've been texting everybody this who asked me about kids. I'm like, kids are the most amazing things in the world. It's the parents that are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the parenting that's fucking difficult. Kids are not difficult. It's like the mental mess in your own head that's difficult. Let me give some more uh, concrete examples that might be more relatable about work. My thoughts, my fears about not upholding my duties as alumni chapter president or what investors will think of me. And it's like, where do these fears come from? And how does it help me? It's just the feeling of being judged. Okay. Or disliked. Right. But if we go back to loving what is, it's like everybody judges. I judge. It's just what happens. Why would I try to fight that? And even if I try to fight it, like how does my fear help drive me to do something that stops people from judging me? I don't think it will. No matter what I do out of fear, like people will judge me. I mean, I think even if you do it out of love, whatever that means, there's still the chance of being judged. Right. I don't think that ever goes away. But I'll tell you this, when I act out of fear, when I live in this fear, my actions are very destructive. Like, does it make me want to reach out to the investors? No. Does it make me want to do anything? No, I just want to lay in bed. But if I think like, all right, how can I act out of love? Why don't I just reach out to some of these people that I know, see how they're doing, check in with them. Forget about the business, check in with them on a human level, on a personal level. And they might ask how the business is doing, and then I'll give them an update and tell them what's up. What's the worst, right? You see what I'm saying? Like every time I find myself acting out of fear, I'm just like frozen. I'm either frozen in place or I'm just like running the other way. Hmm. That's the whole fight or flight reflex, right? Again, as I'm evaluating all my anxieties on a day-to-day basis, it's just not, it's, I just realize how much it gets me stuck and it keeps me stuck. It's interesting that you just said the response to fear is either fight or flight. So in either case, like you can be afraid of something so you run away from it, or you can be afraid of something so you fight it. Yep. I'll give you an example of Miles specifically. I'm so glad you bring this up. Like I've had very polarizing thoughts of like either like I like fight this child in the sense that like, I don't know, I'm gonna start spanking or something, like you know, bend you to my fucking will, right? <laughs> Which I know is not good parenting, it's not gonna work long term. Or I'm just like, dude. Fuck it. I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. Just do what you want. <laughs> do whatever you want. Yeah, do what the fuck you want. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go like, I'm going to leave the country for like two weeks. You know, and no <laughs> joke. But with a lion, this shit makes sense. This kind of fear makes sense. When I'm just going to fight the lion or fucking run away. Like, but against Miles, you can't win with fear. Yeah. And you can't win with fighting. No, you can't win fighting or, or flighting. With a lion, and conversely, I think this is a really good example actually of, I think why this topic might be confusing for for us even is that you can't always act out of love. Like I can't act out of love with a lion who wants to eat me. Yeah. I'm going to act out of fear. I'm going to fucking, you know, fight or flight, pick up a stick or just fucking run. But that's not our situation these days. That's not the majority of our situations. It's not a life or death thing. It's dealing with another person, another human being that you love or a situation that like you care about. Yeah. There's no good reaction when you're doing something out of fear. Yeah. In today's world. In today's world. Yeah. In today's life, day to day. And this basal human instinct is still running very deep within us. I'm going to give you a lighter example for the listeners. I was invited to play around at golf with these guys that I met. They're executives. One owns like a mutual fund business. The other owns like, he was like VP of finance for Billabong. Really cool older gentlemen. They're like nearing retirement, basically. They're very chill. 
they're handicaps, I think, in the teens. They're just really nice guys. And then as we're like about to tee up, we ran into this one solo guy who they knew, doctor guy. His like handicap was like seven. <laughs> you know? Damn. My handicap for any listener was like, it's 27. <laughs> and that day, like, I was just like, I've been having this cold for two weeks. That's my excuse. I was just like runny, snotty, and just like felt really shitty. And anyway, I played a really terrible game. I shot 106 for par 72. I was 34 strokes over. And it didn't bother me. This was Friday. Last night, Saturday night, I literally woke up in the middle of the night. I couldn't stop thinking about it. My whole body ached thinking about it. I think my whole body ached because I was playing golf. <laughs> but, but I couldn't shake it for like two hours. I couldn't go back to sleep. I was just like fucking restless, like just thinking about it. It was gnawing at me how embarrassing or how shameful it was. I was like, wait, did that, did that guy leave early? Because he was just like, ah, fuck it. You know, like he was expecting like a two and a half hour round. And now it's like, you know, like a four hour round because it's this guy, you know, were the people that invited me embarrassed that they invited me, you know, because they, they actually want to play with this guy instead. And all these things just in a loop back and forth, just like eating at me. And I did breathing exercise. I tried to meditate. Nothing worked until like I, I did this fear exercise. I remember this fear exercise. I was like, what's the fear driving this anxiety right now? What was it? And I realized like, oh, they'll judge me and they'll never want to play golf with me again. And then I was like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah. I didn't care before. I like, I never cared before. <laughs> Do you even know them? That's what's interesting, James. I know them in the sense I've played with them once before, and this is the second time playing with them. So now I do know them versus like every time when I play solo, like, I don't know who the fuck I'm playing with. Like, eh, it doesn't matter. Isn't that crazy? Like, it just takes like for me in this instance, it just took like one additional encounter to like care about being judged. Hmm. How did this fear exercise help? So you sat down and decided to write out what you were afraid of or what did you do? Yeah. What was I afraid of? So then once you wrote it down, and you said your fear is just the fear of being judged or they're not going to play with you again or they're going to think that you suck at golf. Yeah. Or that I'll be embarrassed if I run into that guy again. Or like, you know, I don't know how I'll respond if they like ask me to go golfing again next week. So then how did that help after you wrote that stuff down? After I wrote down all the fears, I valued a couple of them. Like I said, one of them was just hyper silly. Like, is it really a big deal? Like, if they don't want to play golf with me again? Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's not a big deal. And then I started thinking of the ways like of how can I act out of love in this situation to myself? Mm -hmm. How can I be kinder to myself? And I said, you know, like, you know, you've only been playing golf for six months. Like, why do you expect so much of yourself? It's good to set a goal, but you know, it takes time to get there. Be more patient with yourself. That was the big message that I told myself. It's like, practice patience more with yourself. If anything, that's the one big struggle that I've been struggling with a lot lately is not being patient enough. I think that goes with all these sufferings, anxieties I listed today, between miles, between you know the businesses, between golf, between missing opportunity. Like, what does fear drive for me? Fear drives impatience. I think it drives impatience for a lot of people. And it's that impatience that is actually acting out of fear versus acting out of love for miles. Another way to act out of love for miles, be more patient with him. The examples I gave were actually around being patient. He doesn't want to do this right now. Okay, that's fine. I'll be patient with you. Right? I don't know what you got planned right now, but I'll let you like finish it out. I mean, it's hard to do when you want the kid to be on your, your schedule. I mean, even that, that's like a learned thing, having a schedule. Yeah. But you know, James, like 
and this is actually something I was going to talk to you about on air this week too, is that a lot of this fear really like, I realize it's consumed me so much that it has disallowed me to really appreciate my time with Miles, even when I'm with him. Because hmm. you're just worried or? I'm just constantly worried. You're like filled with anxiety. Yeah, I'm constantly worried that like, oh, am I enough? Am I enough for myself? Am I enough for him as a dad? Am I enough for my family? Am I enough for James as a friend? Like, am I enough? And just like seeing Mila and actually because I'm taking time off this time around and actually watching her grow up and being with her, I'm like, dude, I, I don't really remember the first year with Miles. It's not that I was working like a dog. I, I did have time to spend with him, but whenever I spent time with him, my mind was always elsewhere. And for the first time this week, I was just like really present with Miles. And I was like, this is my purpose. I'm his dad right now. That's my purpose at that moment. And then when, you know, on air with you, my purpose is here. I'm your friend. I'm your co-host. Mm-hmm. It was like a very touching and also sad moment. <laughs> just because I was like, man, man, I miss out on so much. And I was home this whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have several years ahead of you. At least you realize it now versus six years down the line. Right, right. And he's just like, you saw him. You know, he's, he's such a wonderful kid. Yeah, he seemed really happy. But you should see how fear was tearing this family apart this week or the past month. Just we're just consumed with worry about, is he eating enough? You know, is he going to eat? And then back and forth, like, do we want him to be independent? Or do we want him to learn how to eat? Or do we want to make sure he eats enough? Because it, it is a conflict right now. But remember, be patient, guys. Be patient. Like, this is not forever. <laughs> you know, like, once he learns to eat, he will get enough to eat because he will eat by himself like you and I. You know? Yeah. It's not a forever thing. It's a transitional thing. Be patient. But fear, fear just drives the impatience into us. Like, it's either this or that right now. And because you can't have both, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Just like, you fucking drive yourself. You drive each other crazy. You drive yourself crazy. My fight or flight kicked down. I was like, dude, you're like, I'm going to win this fucking battle. I'm going to have it my way. He's going to learn to be independent. He's going to starve. You know, he's going to fucking starve and he's going to learn how to eat. Or like, you know what? Fuck it. You guys want to do this? I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. You guys like raise him by yourself. You go to those extremes. I'm being very open about this. I mean, I think it's normal to go through those thoughts, very extreme measures. I mean, whenever anyone gets angry, I think they go through that. Yeah. But it's not productive. I really had to pull myself out of it, you know, apologize to Mink for like yelling at her. I'm just like, why am I yelling at her? Why are we fighting each other about this? She wasn't even fighting me. I was just so fucking pissed. You're fighting yourself. I was fighting myself and I was like, where's this going to lead? Stop living my fears. How can I act out of love? Okay. I can act out of love by first off, loving my child, just giving him my love and saying, you are perfect the way you are. You're fine. You're fine the way you are. There's nothing wrong with you. And then in turn, with my own fears, Telling myself that too, being kind of myself like, hey, you're fine, Sean. You're fine the way you are. Yeah. All right. Well, Sean, thanks for sharing. I think that was, that was a lot, a lot of personal things and good tidbits in there. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right, everyone. I think that's a wrap for this week. Sean, anything else you want to add as parting words? Yeah. If you find yourself living in anxiety or just, you know, in a state of suffering, take a look at your fears. And think about how you can act out of love for the people around you, for yourself. Just have some compassion. Find ways to find compassion. Yeah. It seems like that's the first step. And create a list of things that are really driving the fear and anxiety. 
and kind of realize that acting out of love really starts with having compassion for yourself. Yeah. So understand that you you are enough to get through what you're going through right now. Yeah. Oh, and that short of you like confronting a lion or like something life-threatening, short of that, nothing is that urgent. What's that saying? A lot of our fears will come to pass or something like that, right? You'll even forget about them, that they like even feared that thing, <laughs> you know? All our fears will come and go. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to this week. We hope you have an awesome week. This is James and Sean signing off. Have a great week.